place where you can grow, a place where you can be yourself. Because God knows us fully, and he loves us truly. God bless you. Amen. Boy, some strange things happened to me yesterday. Jonathan, don't look so skeptical over there. You know what happened to me yesterday? I went to the dentist. I asked him, what do I do about my yellow teeth? He told me to get a brown necktie. (laughs) See, Bert's laughing anyway. Hey, Bert, maybe Bert will laugh. I went yesterday, I wanted to buy a suit for preaching, so I told the guy, the salesman in the store, can you show me something cheap in a suit? He told me, look in the mirror. (laughs) Oh, well, it's getting worse. (laughs) Pastor George is about to walk out the door back there. I went to the doctor yesterday. I said, every morning I wake up, I look in the mirror, I want to throw up. What's wrong with me? He said, I don't know, but your eyesight is perfect. Pastor George, I I hit the top right there. Then there was another joke that Pastor George told me don't tell. So after church, if you want to know a good one. So if you could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're continuing in the series going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And I actually read this scripture a few weeks ago, but I want to go back to it. Because during this time of fasting, I I believe that it has great significance. I want to develop it more. And, And for those of you who haven't been part of the fast, it's not too late. So we still have three more, actually four days, today through Wednesday. So if you, if you haven't been following it or you're new today and, and you want to fast, you can come and see me after church and I'll explain to you what we're doing. But God is a God of grace. He's not a God of dead religion. Where, oh, you missed out. Sorry. With God, there's always a second chance. There's always a new beginning. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. See, Paul was giving the analogy of boxing or fighting because living the Christian life is a fight. It's not always being comfortable and everything is wonderful. There are times and days in your Christian walk that you wake from the time you wake up in the morning 
that you're fighting through the day. And Paul says, I'm not going to be like a boxer wasting my time beating the air. I want to hit the mark. I want to be effective in my fight, in my Christian walk. And he said, what am I fighting? The first thing he said is, I'm fighting my own body. See, there, when, before you come to Christ, you have what's called your sinful nature, or another name for it is the flesh. And here's what the sinful nature wants. Anything that God doesn't want, your, your, your sinful nature wants. There's a, there, you, before you're saved, you come to God, and in you there's a desire to sin, to go out, get drunk, party all night, cheat on your husband or wife, steal, gossip, rob. And when you become a Christian, the Bible says that that old person you used to be is dead. It dies, and you become a new creation in Christ with the power of the Spirit to live for God. But unfortunately, that old person you used to be, that sinful nature of the flesh, it's always trying to come back to life again. There's something in you when you wake up Sunday morning. Oh, it's too cold. Let me stay home. I don't need to worship today. There's something in you that wants to be comfortable. There's something in you that loves the pleasures of this world. Many times there could be a drive in you. Oh, let's just get drunk just one time. Let's just cheat just tonight. Oh, it's okay to gossip. It's okay to wound, abuse people. There's something in you that loves revenge. And you know what Paul said? He said, I can be preaching to you. And if I give in to these things in me that want to do bad, I'm disqualified. And if you just pick up the newspaper, it happens almost every week you read about a major minister who became disqualified because he sat and preached all this wonderful stuff, but he gave in to those drives in him. So Paul says, I, I beat, I fight my own body so that I... And bring it under submission. And for those of you who are fasting, you know that that's what you're learning to do. There's a purpose in why you fast. Because when you deny yourself food, you're learning how to deny yourself those things, those impulses, those drives to get you to sin against God. So there's purpose in your fasting. You've got to do whatever it takes to get control over your own body. Otherwise, all this is a waste of time. You can go to church every week, and then if you leave here and act like you used to before you were a Christian, you're disqualified. Just don't even bother. And Paul said, especially me being in ministry, if I'm preaching one thing, I better not be going home and doing something else. That's hypocrisy. So Paul says, I fast and I pray. I, I train myself so that those things in me to cheat on people, those things in me to lust after women, they're not going to rise up. They're not going to take control of my heart and mind. And he would train himself through fasting. Well, if I can deny myself 
when I'm hungry, I can deny myself the thing in me that wants me to go and, and hit somebody. So there's, you haven't been wasting your time. There's been purpose in your fasting. So one thing that you're fighting is your own impulses, your own sinful nature. That's, that's where there's a battle raging. It says in Galatians that the things of the sinful nature desires the exact opposite of what God wants for you. But there's also another battle that rages. Ephesians 6, verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You don't see it with your natural eyes, but in the invisible realm of the Spirit, the devil and his demonic dark spirits, they're out to stop you from serving God. They want to destroy your family. They want you to have nothing. They, they want you to be in rebellion against the things of God. They want you not to worship. That's that voice in your head as soon as you start praying that's going to distract you. See, you're not battling people, but there is a battle in the spiritual realm. And, and that's what I want to speak about today. Because if we're going to move ahead in this new year, not only in your church, but in your marriage, in your family, in your personal life, in your school, in your job, as, as a parent, whatever it is, as a single person, you've got to learn how to fight. You've got, you got to learn how not just to give in. And, and, and that's what I'm going to speak about. Because those dark forces, the devil, those demons I spoke about, the first way you defeat them is to recognize your power and authority. Because Jesus gave you all power and authority over every dark force, over the devil, over anything in hell that tries to come against you. Look, Luke 10:19. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. That's symbolic of those devils, of those, those demonic spirits that come to rob from you, that come to bring depression in your, in your mind, to get you to walk away from God. God has given you the authority to stomp all over them. So you need to begin to recognize the authority that God has given you. He's given us power over disease, over sickness. Do you know that Jesus never prayed for a sick person? He never said, oh, Father, I pray that if it's your will, you would heal that sick person. He commanded healing with the authority that he had. He said, be healed in Jesus' name. And do you know that the day of the one-man show, the day of the church superstar mentality is over, that every one of you has that same authority to heal the sick, cast out demons? Every one of you, 
It, it's no more, oh, we need the pastor to get to the hospital. Those days are over. You go, you pray for that person in the hospital. you got the same power and authority in you. And, and i got a video here to prove the power you got in you. So let, let's watch a short video. Frisco, Texas. Sometimes you don't have a weapon for fighting back. And when an armed robber bursts through her door, shop owner Marion Chadwick thinks she doesn't have a prayer. He comes to the counter with his gun and he taps on it. And he says, this is a robbery. I want your money. With a loaded gun just inches from her face, Marion calmly retaliates using the power of the pulpit. You get out of my store right now in the name of Jesus. I planted my feet, pointed my finger in his face, and I said, in the name of Jesus, you get out of my store. Though she's a hair trigger from being blown to smithereens, Marion relies on a higher firepower. You get out of my store right now in the name of Jesus. That was my weapon that I had one shot. The thief reels from the biblical assault. But the preacher's not done with her sermon. I went, I bind you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Leave. Marion doesn't know if the crook is afraid of Jesus. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Or her. He backed up. And he kept backing up until he got to the front door and then he took off. Marion may not have saved the robber's soul, but using the word definitely saved her life. In the name of Jesus. You see, that's the power you got in you. No fear, no more fear. You go home today, whatever's going on in your life, maybe you're getting broke in debt, you speak to your bank account, you command the enemy to get his hands off of it, get his hands off of your marriage, off of your home, off of your mind, your body. You've got authority over hell. So the first weapon you have in fighting is knowing your authority that God's given you. The second weapon you have, and this is the greatest weapon of them all, is love. Because you might not know this, but your wife or your husband is not your enemy. Your boss is not your enemy. That's not who the battle is against. The battle is against, again, wicked, dark, demonic spirits that are out to get you, out to torment you. And do you know the greatest way to overcome is through love. In Romans 12, 19 to 21, it says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, 
but conquer evil by doing good. The greatest power against the enemy that lives in you is the ability to love. The Bible says when you can love the unlovable, when you can love the enemy, it's like pouring hot coals over their heads. In first, 2 Corinthians 2.10, it says, If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. Down to verse 11. In order that Satan might not outwit us. See, if you give in to, un- if you give in to unforgiveness and hatred and anger, the devil's already got you. Now you can't sleep at night. He's going to use that hatred to torment you. So the Bible says if you choose to love and let it go, that the enemy's got no place in you. We don't have a right as Christians to hold on to anger. No matter what anyone's done to you, you know why? As soon as you take your hands off of that situation, you release God, the righteous judge, to come down and fight on your behalf. So some of you, you've got, you're holding on to things you need to love back. Somebody hurts you, you love them back. That makes no sense to you. I don't care. Nothing in this Bible makes any sense to me. All I know is it works. You want, to, you want to hit someone, hit them with love. Because God says he's the one to avenge. He's the one that brings justice, not you. So if, if, you're, if you're fighting the wrong enemy, you're fighting your husband, you're fighting your wife, you, you need to love them instead. See, my, my wife says that I never listen to her. Or something like that, she said. I don't really remember. Okay, moving on. Number three in winning the battle is knowing your identity in Christ. And I'm going to go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Nehemiah, because the stories in the Old Testament, the Old Testament battles give us spiritual truths about the tactics of the enemy. So, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. And this is about the time when the Jews had been brought back into the land after, after Jerusalem had been destroyed. God told them to rebuild, and their enemies got angry. Did you know, as soon as you start to serve God, the enemy gets angry? He leaves you alone until you make a decision. Well, I'm going to start showing up to men's ministry. I'm going to start helping with children's church. As soon as you do that, you rile up hell and they're going to try to come against you. And, and here's the strategy they'll use. So the, the, the name of the enemy was a man named Sanballat. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? What they are building, even a fox climbing on it, would break down 
with their wall of stones. And here's what the enemy was doing. You're wasting your time. You think God's going to make something out of you? You messed up. Everything's got wrecked, burned, destroyed. And now look at these feeble people trying to do something. You know, that's the, what the enemy's going to attack you on more than anything else, on your identity in Christ. See, you, you are a child of the King. You, you are set free. You are loved, accepted, restored. And there's nothing that you can't do. So stop believing the lies of the enemy saying, you're nobody. You made your bed. Now you're lying in it. You walked away from God and now he's going to get you back. Those are lies from hell. You are not feeble. You are not helpless. You are not a failure. If you'll recognize who you are, if you can get your identity, the enemy will never be able to stop you. Because you'll wake up every morning with a sense of excitement. Knowing that you are royalty. You, you are a kingdom of priests and kings. So stop that junk going on in your head. The devil is playing tapes in your head. Oh, you nobody. You're, you're horrible. God forgot about you. You're nothing. You messed up. God won't forgive someone like you. That's a lie from hell because you are beautiful in God's sight. You are a carrier of the very glory and presence of the King. And if you'll recognize that in this new year, over this time of fasting, I, I, I believe that you're going to be set free where nothing is going to hold you back. If you recognize God said, everywhere you put your feet there's victory. Any place you go, everywhere you step, there's prosperity, there's abundance, there's more than enough. Unless you believe that lie of the enemy, nothing good's ever going to happen to me. I hate who I am. Why did I have to look this way? Why did God make me like this? Those filthy lies, I break them off you right now. Right now, in Jesus' name. And I decree and declare that you are the righteousness of Christ. That you are glorious in the sight of God. Do you know that you've touched His heart? You've, the Bible it says in Song of Solomon that you've ravished his heart, which means he's passionately in love with you, even in your immaturity, even in your, your lack and your imperfection. There's something in God that's driven towards you because you are his bride. Number four. We, we defeat the enemy through our faith. First John 5, 4. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. You know what faith means? This is a tough one. This means no matter what I'm going through, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how much I don't see, no matter how far away it seems God is, it means I'm still going to believe. I'm still going to trust Him through it. And I'm going to tell you another powerful Old Testament story. And this story makes absolutely no sense to me either. But I'm going to go back to the book of Judges, chapter 20. 
And let me just tell you what happened. There were 12 tribes in Israel. And back then, it wasn't like today. If somebody sins, well, we just pray for you. God loves you. We'll, you know, just go as you go. We'll keep praying. Back in those days, the wages of sin was death. And if you rebelled against God, God would send the army to, to wipe you out. Don't you glad you live in the days of grace? So one of the tribes, the tribe of Benjamin, had greatly sinned against God, and God sent the other 11 tribes to fight against them because they refused to turn back. They refused to repent. So verse 18, Judges 20. The Israelites went up to Bethel and inquired of God. They said, Who of us is to go up first to fight against the Benjamites? The Lord replied, Judah shall go first. The next morning the Israelites got up and pitched tent near Gibeah. The Israelites went out to fight the Benjamites and took up their battle positions. The Benjamites came out of Gibeah and cut down 22,000 Israelites on the battlefield that day. I don't know if this makes any sense to you at all. But God told his people, they said, they inquired of him. They stopped everything. They went to God and said, should we fight? Should we get in the battle? And God says, yes, go ahead. It's time to fight. They got all excited. They got their troops together. They went out in battle and 22,000 of them were killed that day. But I thought with God, it's always victory every day. I thought nothing bad was going to happen if I served God. There are days you're going to get your booty kicked all over the place. I'm telling you right now. There are days where the enemy is going to walk right over you. People are going to curse you, torment you. And do you know the reason why? And this is, I believe, prophetic for what's going on in many of your lives right now. God is testing you. He wants to know. God is testing you to see, are you going to go back? Are you going to keep fighting? Are you going to keep getting up? Are you going to keep believing Him no matter what? When you see nothing, when all hell broke loose, are you going to trust Him one more time? Because look what happens next. I bet it'll get better now, Ephraim. What do you think? Verse 22. But the Israelites encouraged one another and took up their positions where they stationed themselves the first day. The Israelites went up and wept before the Lord until evening, and they inquired of the Lord, and they said, Shall we go up again? And the Lord answered, Go up against them. And do you know what happened that day? 18,000 more Israelites got killed in the battle. But why? They were weeping and praying. They said, God, they begged, are you sure? Are you sure I'm supposed to go back? This is too hard. We're getting beaten up. We're, we're getting pushed back in the battle. And you know what God said? Go ahead. It's time to fight. It's time to war. And God sent them out again, and another 18,000 killed. 
I, I want to tell you something about life with God. There are many times when things can get hard. Maybe you're in a marriage that's difficult and you want to walk out. You want to leave. And there are times when God says, go back. Go back in that home. Keep loving your husband. Keep loving your wife. It's not time to give up. I know you're hurting. I know you're wounded. But but I'm not releasing you. See, I thank God for the times when I've been released from jobs or ministries where it was just so hard and, and God said go. But there have been so many times in my walk as a Christian where I couldn't sleep at night knowing what I was going to face the next day. I'm talking about in ministry. And I say, God, I quit. I, I can't take this no more. I'm walking away. And God says, no, you go back. You be faithful. You walk in faith. We're not going to give up. You keep fighting. You keep going. You see, that's the Christian life. I got nothing else for you. If someone signed you up telling you, wow, this is going to be fun. We just go on adventures. Yes, we do all that. It's have a lot of fun and joy. But the reason that we need to fast is because we need to get serious with God. See, when you fast, you weaken your body on purpose. Why? Because you're saying, God, I can't do it. You rise up in me. You go and fight the battle. And then the next day, they began to fast and pray. And they went back, and God says, go back. Because today you're going to have the victory. Do you know that you haven't been wasting your time? Those of you who haven't given up on the church, on your ministry on your marriage, on your job, whatever it is that God's had for you, and you've wanted to quit, you wanted to walk away. And God says, if you don't give up, if you walk by faith, if you keep going back, that there's victory ahead. If you don't give up praying for your children, some of you, I hear the Lord saying, some of you have got rebellious unruly children who are far from God and you're fed up and God says it does which doesn't mean that you enable them it doesn't mean you you do everything they want but you don't give up your you don't close your heart you keep praying you don't give up and then great victory is ahead and the next day they won the victory they went back and won there's victory for you if you don't give up Do not let the enemy steal from you what God has for you. Sometimes for a ministry to be successful, oh, we did it twice, two weeks in a row, and no one showed up. I go to speak at churches sometimes where there's three people for weeks and weeks and weeks, and they want to give up. They're discouraged. They want to quit. But they keep on coming back and coming back. And all of a sudden, you see a breakthrough. Things start to happen. See, that's the Christian walk. That's the battle. That's why we got to fast. This isn't always fun, but there's always victory ahead. There's always a battle. But, but God is greater I'm going to read one last scripture, or one last series of scripture. 
One, one more plan how to win the war against the enemy, and that's to stand your ground. And Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, which means I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be moved by my feelings. Everything I do is out of obedience to Christ. And I'm going to give you a story, and I think I, I actually read this story not too long ago. But then I'm going to read it again because I, I believe that this is important in this church for this season for many of you. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. Actually, I'm not going to read that, but it tells you about King David. Now, King David, he was the king. He lived in the palace. He ruled. He ruled. He had all the money, all the glory, everything. But do you think it just came to him? You know, he spent 12 years living in caves, running from the old king who wanted to kill him. And, and all of a sudden, these men started coming to him in the cave. It says a bunch of misfits, a bunch of people in debt, like a bunch of motorcycle gang guys. Those, those were the guys, the gang members, the guys, all the good-for-nothing people, troublemakers. Oh, yeah, we want to be in your army. And do you know what David did? It says that he raised them up to be mighty men. And that's what God is doing in these last days. He's taken all the misfits, everyone who doesn't fit in, and he's raising them up to be mighty men because God is releasing the father heart that David had. So... I'm going to tell you about three of these mighty men in 2 Samuel 23, verse 8. Actually, I'll, I'll go to verse 9, because I can't pronounce the guy's name in verse 8. You want to try it, Bert? Joe Sheb or Sheb, never mind. Let's go to ver the next verse, verse 9. Next to that other guy that I can't pronounce was Eliezer, son of Dodai the Aoite. I couldn't pronounce that right either, but you'll never know. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at Pastamin for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated, but he stood his ground and struck the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. Verse 11, Next to him was Shammah, the son of Agi the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them, but Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. See, these were mighty men like Eliezer. They were fighting the battle, and he looked around, and all of a sudden he found out he was all alone. Ever happened to any of you? 
All these guys, oh, I'm with you to the end. You ever get in trouble, I'll stick with you. You'll turn around and everybody's gone. Well, wouldn't you think that he'd run too? Because who was behind him? The powerful Philistine army. But do you know what the word says? He stood and he fought until his hand stuck to the sword. And the sword is a symbol of the word of God. See, sometimes that's what it takes. You stand your ground. You don't move. You don't retreat. You don't back up. And then there was Shama. It says, He stood his ground in a field full of lentil beans. Lentil beans? That measly field of those little beans that that nasty soup people make? Anybody actually eat that? Except during the fast. They see pictures of it. Otherwise, I never see that stuff. A measly field of lentil beans, he's going to risk his life and stand his ground? You see, maybe that field doesn't mean anything to me or you, but God gave him that field and he was going to stand. The enemy wasn't going to take it from him. Let, Let me tell you something happened in my life. I was talking to a pastor, and he was asking me about my ministry outside of sanctuary. And I, I was telling him, well, I, I go to, I go upstate and I speak, I have, go to this place in New Jersey. He said, that's it? New Jersey? Ah, who would want that? Let me tell you something. Maybe my ministry ain't nothing to him. And maybe it's nothing to any of you. But God gave me that ministry, and I'm not backing up. I'm not retreating. It could look like nothing in you, but I know if I'm faithful and I don't give up, that there's victory, there's breakthrough, there's increase coming. And it's the same thing for every one of you. God gave you that home. God gave you that job. Some of you, you're looking to run from the job that God gave you. And for some of you, it might be time. But there's many of you, you're in a hard situation at work, and God gave you that job. Don't let the enemy push you out and steal. You stand in that job. God has let God push out the other people first before you. See, whatever God has given you, I don't care how small it is, I don't care what people think about you, your family. Whatever it is, God gave it to you, and you stand, and you fight, and all it takes is one plus God. Maybe you're all alone, there's nobody to help you, you feel lonely today. All it takes is you. If you choose to stand, God will increase There's See, God is going to, He's ready to fight for you. But He can't fight if you're running the other way. And He's not asking you to be tough. See, most of the time, me personally, I don't know about you, I feel weak in the spirit most of the time. No matter what I'm going to do, preach, go do this, I never feel like, uh, like I'm able to do it. I never feel like this surge of toughness and strength. Oh, I can do anything. Maybe I know that, but that's not what I'm feeling. 
But God says that in your weakness, when you feel like you got nothing, when you can't take it, just stand. You feel like a nobody, like you're nothing, like you're not spiritual like everyone else. You just stand and God will bring about a great victory in your life. See, I believe it's going to become harder and harder to worship God in this city. Already we're seeing persecution. Already we're seeing laws being made against the church. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to declare to you right now. Every one of you can get scared and walk out. I'll be standing here because I've already determined in my heart that I'm standing my ground. I don't care if I go to jail. I don't care if I die. I don't care if it costs me everything. Because I'm going to stand strong in the Lord. I, I don't have it. I can't do it in me. But if you'll just stand. God is going to bring about a victory. I, I believe if the church in this city will stand, that the greatest days for this city could be ahead. I, I, I believe there's going to be a great revival. I believe many will turn from God, turn back to God, but not if we run. It's time to stand strong as the body of Christ, as a mighty man, as a mighty woman of God. So I'm going to ask... Uh, Melissa's team to come up right now. And they're, they're going to do a drama.